the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Rob Black and your money. And now, here's Rob Black. Welcome in to Rob Black and Your Money, the podcast. Wednesday, November 24, 2010. Just a couple hours, it feels like, before Thanksgiving, even though it's the day before. Let's talk a little bit about some of the, the wake-up action that we saw out there today. We got some big batches of economic data that included durable goods orders, jobless claims reports, new home sales. The releases were moved to today's calendar because tomorrow is not available. In Asia, South Korea's COPSI ended down the session 2.4%. Remember, the conflict between North and South Korea yesterday occurred around the close. So today it rebounded throughout the session, closing honestly with only modest declines. Japan's Nikkei played catch up today following yesterday's holiday, but the remainder of Asia closed on uh, mixed. European markets traded modestly higher today. They opened in the black, but they had a, a volatile first hour after the euro sold off against the dollar. So that led into the United States and the dollar rallying. So contagion fears continue to rise as yields in Portugal and Spain continue to rise on a lesser extent than what they did with Ireland and Greece. But people are feeling like that's the next shoe to fall is Spain and Portugal. Deer beat earnings by 12 cents a share. Their first quarter revenue guidance uh, had some upside into it. They had some mixed 2011 guidance seeing revenue growth of 10 to 12 percent. Consensus was about 10 percent. Income of approximately $2.1 billion versus expectations of $2.2 billion. Uh, John Deere said that 2011 will be a year of record new model introductions, but the earnings expectations reflects the complexity of transitioning to these new equipment models and increased product cost to comply with regulation. So all things considered, that's a pretty damn good report. The Dow and the S&P 500 posted sizable losses yesterday. The Dow flirted with its 50-day um, simple moving average as well as exponential moving average. It managed to form a higher low above last week's trough. A posture above the lows and the 50-day moving average for the S&P 500 limits short-term chart damage. A sustained push back through uh, 1184, 1185 would help to improve the price pattern off the highs. Today, we had a big rally. So support didn't come into um, – support action didn't come into play at all. It's Thanksgiving, so let's do a little food for thought, shall we? First and foremost, I hate those douches on Facebook who go, and by the way, there's a salesperson in particular that I'm thinking of here from radio that goes, I went to the church and handed out food with Nancy Pelosi. Uh, do that sometime when it's not, say, a holiday. Do that when it's July or August or September. Don't do it when it's a holiday. If you want to help people and tell your friends on Facebook what a great freaking fragging person you are. Do it when not hundreds and thousands of other people do it. You know, that to me, charity isn't meant to be publicized. I think that's something you keep at home. Um, I've got a friend who goes out and hands out blankets. I'll tell you what, those blankets did a lot better than overcrowding of handing out food to homeless people. 
uh, last night when things hit 20 degrees. According to the American Farm Bureau, menu items for a classic Thanksgiving dinner for 10 people consisting of turkey stuffing, cranberries, pumpkin pie, and all the trimmings increased 1.3% in 2010. In real terms, though, they only increased about two-tenths of a percent. Most of the prices were associated with higher milk and pie ingredients, as the price of a 16-pound turkey actually declined about a pound year-over-year to 1766. A lot of grocers are discounting turkeys as a way to get customers into the store this year. So the overall meal, it, it's pushing higher. From 1986, the cost was about $28. Now today, it's about $44. Um, for the whole meal. Now, when you, when you adjust it for inflation, it's gone from about 26 bucks to 20 bucks. So, the current cost, though, you know, it really gives you a reflection of why you need to invest money in stocks, bonds, and real estate. You need to. Uh, let's talk about some of the other big stories out there today, shall we? Because I think this was a, a pretty big day, all things considered. So today was a pretty big market day as far as data goes and a lot to really start thinking about and putting it into some sort of context. Again, I don't believe in any one piece of data to go, yippee, that's changed my life. I just don't. I think that would be a silly, silly way of um, looking at it. Today's data was kind of a non-end-of-the-world data. Department of Labor reported the first time unemployment claims fell last week to 407,000. That's pretty good. The trend started to move lower. The four-week moving average, it fell from 443,000 to 436,000. The number time of first-time claims was the lowest since July 2008. The number's still too high, but certainly we're creating hundreds of thousands of jobs um, in the private sector. The public sector is where the problem's going to be in 2011. Weekly first-time claims are need to be in that 350, 375 to 425 range for a long time to really make a dent in the unemployment numbers. The Commerce Department reported data on personal income savings and consumer spending. Personal income rose half of 1%. Consumption expenditures rose four-tenths of a percent. Savings rose as well. This is a single you know, snapshot, and it doesn't really mean a lot in the, you know, the, the big picture. But if income growth is, is high enough, consumers can spend more, save more, and pay down debt. And that's what's happened in the month of October. So stimulus and transfer programs such as unemployment benefits help support that. But the growth in private payrolls was noteworthy. So it's, it's positive. Again, we're, we're building a positive case for 2011. 2000, uh, another thing that came out was the consumer sentiment for November. It found consumers in a better mood than they were in October. I don't really care about sentiment numbers. To me, they don't necessarily translate into activity. They don't necessarily translate into you. Sometimes they're a projection about what you think is happening to your neighbors. But, of course, you'd want to see the numbers higher than lower. And right now they're higher. So, again, that's not too shabby. Um, not all great news today. We learned that order for durable goods fell 3.3% in October, and that's bad news. But squarely in the non-end-of-the-world category of bad news, Figures up 10% from October 2009, and year-to-date new orders are up 14% compared with the first 10 months of 2009. So it's it's all perspective. Housing. Um, we saw that sales of new homes slumped in October to a pathetic annual rate of 283000 That's down 8.1%. Again, anyone that doesn't see this as ugly and anyone that thinks that housing is going to provide a lift like it did from 2001 to 2007 – it's going to be a drag for the next several years. It's not going away. 
we're going to need business expansion for a long as it lasts to hope that, that the housing joins the party at some point in time. So to do a little further discussion on the employment numbers that came out today, the initial claims levels kind of fell into a recovery zone where payroll growth outperforms normal cyclical job trends. And typically the upper bound in the recovery is about 400,000. So we're, we're close. At this level, non-farm payrolls grew in excess of 100,000 per month for the first time since the recession ended. The initial claims level has fallen into the upper bound of the range. The initial claims level has been way too volatile over the past several months to say one week drop into the recovery zone is going to last. That's the problem. So kind of like a parachutist, we're in the drop zone now, but we might get blown back out of it. It's too early to pop the champagne and expect the labor recovery to pick up steam. Uh, we may reach the point where at least we should put the champagne on ice. We may have hit the point where it's not getting worse. So it, it's a, all things considered, I'm okay with it. Now, the decline in durable goods orders, you know, it came mainly from transportation. Non-defense aircraft orders increased 112%. According to the latest orders data from Boeing, they should have slipped somewhere in the neighborhood of 20% in October. However, the sector actually held up rather well as non-defense aircraft orders only fell by 4.4%. At first glance, the durable goods reports looks as if demand for manufacturing goods is on the wane and the economic recovery is facing significant headwinds. However, when you look at the pattern in durable goods orders over the past year, the data points towards more growth in the next two months. So it's not something I, again, I just don't get all that worked up on any of this. Consumer debt is the next thing that we should talk about because we saw income uh, and savings increase. Consumer debt's the only area that could potentially slow consumption down in the near future. The personal savings rate has stabilized between 55 and 6.5% since the recovery began, and its heightened level has not hindered consumption growth one bit. Income growth has reached a point where consumers can pay down their debts while still accumulating more spending. Expect the consumer to continue to prosper over the next several quarters, and consumer consumption should remain steady during that time. Let's talk a little more you know, why the market went higher today or whatever we really want to call it, but stocks are improving. Tiffany, the world's second largest luxury jeweler rallied 5% record high. They beat earnings forecasts. Amazon jumped 5%. Citigroup said it's benefiting from the most from online retail sales growth. Oracle, big software maker, they advanced 2.3% after the, the jury said SAP must pay the company $1.3 billion for copyright infringement. Plus, that's just going to flat out hurt SAP's rep, business reputation in the United States going forward. So Ireland, their Prime Minister Brian Cohen said a bailout of €85 billion, Euros, or about $114 billion. It's been discussed as the government remains in talks over the amount of the rescue package. Country's labor unions plan November 27th strikes, protest cuts, designed to trim a deficit. It'll be 12% of gross domestic product this year and reach 32% when the cost of bank bailouts is taken into account. Portuguese workers are walking off the job in protest of government austerity measures as the country faces its biggest strike in 22 years. German Chancellor Angela Merkel she repeated her call for bondholders to share the burden when nations can't pay their debts. So it's kind of interesting what's going on. Um, yeah, absolutely. Kind of interesting. Let's talk about some of the other big stories that are out there today. Mortgage rates for the United States loans, they increased for the second straight week. Super time to refinance your mortgage. If you have a mortgage right now, contact my friend Tony at Bay Area Loan Source. 30-year fixed loan climbed about 4.4%. It's moving. I'm not going to say it's going to continue moving. Rising mortgage rates threaten to further restrain home buyers and people like me and you who have refinanced into lower rates. Rates have climbed from record low levels this month on investor concern that the Federal Reserve is going to buy $600 billion of treasuries 
may fail to curb borrowing costs because they're incredibly low. There's some other individual and variables out there. I want to get too excited about a rise from a very, very low level because rates are rising from a level they weren't supposed to get to. So I don't think it's the end of cheap money. Boeing 787 Dreamliner grounded for two weeks because of a fire during a flight. It's going to be delayed for a seventh time as months of testing remain before the plane can be certified for passenger use. A postponement of, 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 of as much as six months from the current delivery target is already priced into the stock. So think uh, various analysts out there. It looks like the second half of 2011 for the setback with the worst case scenario of 2012. There's going to be some delay. It's inevitable. The six Dreamliner test jets have been parked since November 9 on the fire with only a few flights allowed to get all the planes back to the Boeing Seattle hub. The aircraft involved in the incident lost its primary power. The crew had to evacuate on emergency slides after it landed in Texas. The 787 already is almost three years late after six previous delays. It really goes to show you don't ever get excited. Even after the jets are flying again without any major, without a major redesign, they still need to complete more than 700 hours of an expected 31 hours, 100 hours of testing. Boeing's got to prove the plane's extended operation capabilities, its fuel mileage performance, and its function reliability, amongst other tests required by the FAA. In the past week, you know, analysts have started reducing their estimates for 2011 deliveries of Dreamliner, the first composite plastic all-electric airliner. Um, basically analysts expect Boeing to deliver just 17 of the jets next year instead of 42 expected drop in deliveries, you know, have led some analysts to lower their profit expectations for Boeing as well. They're building about two Dreamliners a month right now, storing them around their, their facility until they're certified. The latest schedule called for production to ramp up starting next year and increase to a 10 a month. The company has advanced orders for 847 planes valued at more than 150 billion based on average list price. So there you go. That's a big story out there on that. Home prices fall 3.2% in the third quarter. Um, demand weakened. And without the federal tax credits, the Atlanta area led the declines amongst 25 large metropolitan areas with a 10% slump. Prices rose 4.6% in San Diego for the biggest gain. Home sales fell to a record lows after the April 30th expiration of tax credit was $8,000. An overhang of distressed properties and an unemployment rate hovering near 10%. Expectations for home prices is that they'll drop by another 8% by the third quarter of next year. Now, the FHFA data doesn't reflect the impact of a foreclosure freeze, which obviously suspended the seizure and resale of a lot of delinquent homes. The median price of an existing home in the United States is $170,500. Today's report is based on repeat sales data that compares prices of the same properties over time. Prices fell in thirty in 40 states in the third quarter, led by Idaho, Georgia, Arizona, Oregon, and South Carolina. Ten states in the District of Columbia had gains. National price index dropped about seven-tenths of a percent in September from August. And, um, you know, I, I, I got to be quite honest with you. It's, it's, not, it's not cheery, is it? And again, housing ain't going to lead the market recovery. Looking at the what about me factor, since a lot of you in the Bay Area listen to my radio show, um, California was down about 1.5% for the year. For the quarter, about 2.5%. For the last five years, about 40%, 39.71. But since 1991, up 63%. Again, there's some other areas like New Jersey up 125%, New Hampshire up 102%, uh, Virginia up 116%, Massachusetts up 123%. Alaska up 126%, North Dakota up 123%, 
So you can see some of these numbers are startling, and they work over time. And I think it's a pretty good report to read. So if you want to read it, you got to go to fhfa.gov and search for it for today's uh, PDF. Uh, 19578. 19578 is the number of the PDF. So anyway, there's your housing snapshot. So let's move forward with some more content. Ford has reduced their debt by about $1.9 billion. They're seeking to regain an investment-grade credit rating. Uh, they're paying investors in its convertible debt to exchange their notes for shares. Investors converted $554 million or 4.25% senior convertible notes that were due in 2036. Um, basically the conversions lowered the debt in Ford's automotive operations about 20.9 billion on a performer basis compared to about 19.8 billion in gross cash. Um, successful conversion offers represent another significant step towards reducing the the overall debt and improving their balance sheet. And it kind of hurts current common stockholders, but all things considered, it's the right thing to do. I like the direction that they're moving in and the current stockholders in the, in the convertible debt didn't get hurt in any way, shape or form. The common stockholders are the ones who got hurt in that deal. So Ireland's going to cut spending by 20%. It looks welfare cuts of about $3.8 billion in U.S. dollars. Income tax increases of about 1.9 billion euros are the way they're trying to narrow their budget deficit to 3% of GDP by the end of 2014. The shortfall will be 12% of GDP this year or 32% including the banking rescue. They're racing to conclude talks right now with the European Union to, to figure this out. They've got to deliver on the stuff and at least set some sort of roadmap in order to pay it back. That doesn't look crazy. Um, Spain and Spain looks and Portugal look like they're the next to have to raise some cash and or cut some programs. So uh, they're going to try to raise the sales tax in Ireland for consumers to 23% from 21% and reduce tax breaks for pension payments. A property levy called a site tax also going to be introduced. Can you imagine sales tax for consumers, 23%? Government plans to reduce national running costs by about 7 billion euros. An investment will be dropped to about 3 billion euros. Pay for new entrants in the state workforce will be cut by 10%. Government also plans to whittle the minimum wage, which is currently uh, about 8.65 a euro, to uh, by about 1 euro down to 7.65. It's interesting. I see what they're trying to do. So um, let's move forward. Uh, business and financial news out there. There's not a lot. You know, Beatles rank amongst top iTunes sellers of the week after they went on sale. I kind of like that story. Abbey Road originally released in 1969, the ninth most downloaded album on iTunes. Um, Apple began offering Beatles songs through iTunes on November 16th, ending an almost decade-long stalemate with best-selling group. Albums are priced at twelve ninety nine. Individual tracks cost a buck twenty nine. One hundred forty nine dollars set for all of all the Beatles albums, including greatest hits compilations, documentary, and a sixty four concert video, is number thirty three on iTunes. Here comes the sun is the band's biggest selling track, ranking fifty six on iTunes chart. So it's kind of nice to see a little little something something on that. I don't know. And again, I think I, I want to end with where are we going? The United States is not cutting our spending. We're increasing our spending, and we're watching Europe, country after country, cut their spending. It really shows that there's a line being drawn, and I don't know if I have a right answer for you, to be quite honest with you, on how this plays out. Anyhow, uh, love you guys. Have a great weekend. Uh, hold on just a second. Let me see if I can't find one more little treat for you. Let's talk about one special treat for you, because, hell, you're listening 
It's a company called Magic Software. And again, this isn't for everyone. This is a cheap stock. It could be a home run for you or a flat-out strikeout. Ticker symbol is MGIC. It's an Israeli-based provider of application platforms. They enable companies to accelerate the process of building and deploying business software. Companies a play on the quickly growing software as a service cloud computing market. Company software is used by a variety of companies, cuts across a lot of sectors. It's used to develop e-commerce, sales management, customer service applications. It's got two products called Unipass and iBolt. Unipass features a ready-made business application engine that simplifies code writing process, allowing users to quickly and easily create and distribute offerings such as mobile apps, software as a service, rich internet applications. The company says that this product was made and released in recognition of the growing demand for cloud-based offerings. One of the primary advantages of using it is that it runs in a single development layout or design. When business wants to develop a program, it would have to integrate multiple platforms to the design of the application, which costs more money and takes more time. Another advantage is it allows users to move into an out-of-cloud mode to full client mode and modify options as businesses need change. It's got an offering. It's a graphical wizard-based code-free product and allows the integration and interoperability of a lot of different types of legacy programs. Um, specific features that extend the commonly used uh, ERP and CRM packages, including software from SAP, Salesforce, IBM, and JD Edwards. There's no one really following it, but sales earnings were up 167% year over year. Revenue was up 66%. Um, earnings, you know, strong performance, greater than expected demand from their professional services. Uh, there's no estimates on the company. It's really tough for me to tell you to even look at it. It's got a reasonable PE. Price to sales ratio doesn't seem to be an issue in any way, shape, or form. This could be a home run. It could be a strikeout for you. I'm just throwing it out there. If you compare it to other software companies, it's got a good balance sheet, no debt, lots of cash, $25 million. Um, the price-to-earnings ratio, the price-to-sales ratio all looks good. I don't, I don't know enough about it to really endorse heavily, but ticker symbol is MGIC. Take care. Have a good day. Good Thanksgiving. I'll talk to you on Monday of next week.
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.